Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Dallas to speak with Nick Angstadt of Locked On Mavs about Luka Doncic's NBA preseason debut. We'll go to Boston to speak with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics about the return of Gordon Haywood and Kyrie Irving to an NBA court. And lastly, we go to Chicago to speak with Jordan Malley of Locked On Bulls about the news of Lowry Markkinen's injury that will keep him out for the beginning of the season and what that means for this Chicago team. It's all coming up. The bigger stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm the lead analyst at basketballmonster.com as well. And of course, I host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast five days a week. So make sure you're checking that out. The NBA is back, I guess, in a way. The preseason has kicked off. We've got things to talk about that involve actual gameplay. So we're going to talk about that in today's show. So of course, let's get to it. Let's bring in one of the hosts of the Locked On Mavericks podcast uh, back again here on Locked On NBA. It's Nick Angstad. Nick, we saw finally saw the first uh, the first sighting of Luka Doncic in uh, in an NBA game. Well, I guess a pseudo NBA game playing for the Dallas Mavericks, and we can uh, we can pass this with as much. Um, yeah, disclaimers about the the level of opposition of the Beijing Ducks, but uh, Doncic looked pretty good. Yeah, there's there's kind of a few ironic things about this Luka Doncic, you know, uh, preview or this you know introduction of Luka Doncic is that uh, one of our writers from Mavs Moneyball, the site that I write for, um, wrote the preview for this game and he said that we're gonna get our first look at Luka Doncic in an NBA you know game or NBA capacity. And I had to message him back and be like, you know what, that's not actually true because he played two preseason games when he played for Real Madrid, so it's not actually true. And then now. He gets to play at, with an NBA team for the first time, but he's playing against a team that's not an NBA team. So they just keep teasing us with these Luka Doncic games, and eventually, you know, we'll see one that's that's for real. But uh, the next two games the Mavericks play are in China, so those kind of have an asterisk next to them too. Uh, but yeah, we got to see 30 minutes of Luka Doncic. Got to see a lot of things, and I think a lot of the highlights that we saw, minus maybe some of his you know crazy dribble drives into the paint that could be more contested by more athletic defenders, I think are going to hold up in the NBA game, you know, coming up. Yeah, I think that's, that's the big thing is what we know the level of competition of the Beijing Ducks isn't exactly where it, where it needs to be in terms of NBA opposition. We've had, we have one guy who's really played or a couple of guys that have played in the NBA. Justin Hamilton had a decent stretch for the, the Nets a couple of years ago. Aaron Jackson played like one or two games last season. Uh, for the Rockets, but otherwise, these other guys haven't really touched the NBA before, and you can see that with Justin Hamilton leading the Ducks with 29 points and 13 boards, but what he was able to do, the way he was able to move, the vision that he showed, I thought defensively he was fine, of course, a, a different level of athlete here uh, in, in this level of opposition, but it, it should give all Mavericks fans you know, some pretty uh, pretty strong feelings about what uh, what Doncic was able to do. Of course, we, we do ramp that down just a little bit, but how did you find, I guess, him playing at that power forward position, which is, looks like is where he's going to be locked in. The way that the offense was running, was it running through him? Like, What were the big takeaways from that positional 
positional change. Of course, no Harrison Barnes in this game, but the, the Mavericks went ahead and, and, and still used their rotation as Doncic playing as that power forward. Yeah, the the uh, personnel decision was, was kind of interesting to me. When we learned that Harrison Barnes had the hamstring injury and he was not going to be able to go, uh, I wondered if maybe they would bring Dirk back into the starting lineup, and I think everybody kind of wondered that. And I think it was a big question as to whether the Mavs are going to commit to this, you know, quote-unquote new style of offense, you know, trying to, to up the pace. I think they were 26th in the NBA in pace last year and trying to, you know, not dribble as much. They actually had a dribble mandate in uh, in training camp. They weren't allowed to dribble, you know, a certain amount of times, which is kind of like what we did in middle school. <laughs> like in my middle school basketball team, like you're only allowed three dribbles per, you know, uh, per like touch or whatever. And, uh, and Carlisle, after the game, he said that our style of play has to fit our personnel. And so I think that he uh, he he wants to commit to this style. And so his, his personnel, he has to kind of move around um, in that way. But with Luka Doncic, he... He played every single position last night. I mean, depending on on there's a certain stretch for, you know, three or four minutes where Luca and Dorian Finney Smith were the only guys that were, you know, quote unquote bigs on the on the roster or on, you know, in that lineup. And so whether Dorian Finney Smith was playing the five or Luca Doncic was playing the five, you know, Carlisle had him out there as one of the, you know, the bigs. He was defending players in the post. You know, he was doing all these things. He played point guard for a stretch. He played all the, you know, different wing positions. He's just gonna be put all over the court. And there's something that that Rick Carlisle said uh, when Luca got drafted on draft night that I kind of forgot. And I, I wish I would have brought this up more leading up to the season is that somebody asked Rick Carlisle, they said, what position is Luka Doncic? And that's kind of been the question we've been asking all summer. And Carlisle said, I think Luka Doncic's position is on the court. <laughs> and, and, you know, it sounds kind of dumb when you say it that way. And it sounds like he's kind of deflecting, but I think it's really true. He's going to be able to plug him in all over the place. He's kind of like, we were just talking about, you know, American football before we <laughs> hit record, but he's kind of like a Darren Sproles where you can, you can put him at tailback. You can put him at slot receiver. You can kind of throw him on the outside every once in a while. He can fit in all these different things because he's just so versatile. So that was a, the biggest takeaway for me is that they're going to be able to put him in a lot of different positions and he's just going to be able to play his game. I enjoy the Darren Sproles reference. Sproles was one of those guys that when I was watching yeah, college, yeah, tons of college football back in the day, I used to enjoy watching him quite a bit. So I, I do get that uh, do get that reference, Nick, of, uh, of Darren Sproles. But what you said, yeah, look, that's the way the NBA is heading, is having these guys who can just do everything. And that's pretty much what Doncic can do. Um, yeah, three blocks, I guess, a little bit of a surprise from that performance uh, from him as well. But I think the other thing that we need to talk about is how well he and Dennis Smith worked together. Because I guess someone had that concern, or does this mean that the, and this is some of the maybe uneducated, educated takes coming out initially when when the draft pick was made is oh does this mean the Mavs don't believe in Dennis Smith is Doncic replacing him how they're going to work together but they look pretty good together yeah they really did I I've been calling them hustle and flow people have been calling them fire and ice you know this this tandem they're just they're so diametrically different in the way that they play Dennis Smith Jr. is a real north and south kind of player he you know kind of puts his head down he dribbles in the you know into the paint and gets you know um he, you know, penetrates into the into the defense, and uh, he's you know super quick. He's gonna be he's gonna be open on a lot of outlet passes. He's gonna be as soon as somebody gets a rebound, whether it's DeAndre Jordan or even Luca, which you saw a couple times last night. Uh, whenever he get whenever somebody gets a rebound, he's gonna be streaking down the floor, and he's just he's so fast. And then whereas Luca, he's kind of in, I think he's more of like an East and West kind of player. He can you know kind of lull you to sleep with dribbles. He's very crafty. He's very under controlled. That's a word that I've heard a lot. You know, talking about Lucas, he's just so controlled in the way that he plays. And so they're going to definitely be able to play together. Luca can play off the ball. His shooting was something that we, it, that some people were concerned about, not me specifically, and, and not, you know, probably you, but 
Uh, people were concerned that his shooting going to translate. Only shot 31% from three last year in the Euro League, but went three for four last night and had you know one that was probably 28 feet from behind the arc that just looked really good. Uh, his shot looks you know completely fine, and he's going to be great. Carlisle and people from the Mavs have said that his shooting has been excellent during training camp and these summer scrimmages that we've talked about. So they're going to be able, Dennis and Luke are going to be able to play together. Um, both of them will have to sacrifice a little bit. They're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of their game, but it looks like they want to play together. They've also developed this friendship, uh, mostly over Fortnite. <laughs> They've been playing Fortnite. They've been playing PlayStation together. Uh, they live in the same building. They've been developing this friendship. And I think that off the court is really, really going to help that on the court uh, product as well. That should, uh, that should help my son and play Fortnite with him. That makes me sound uh, as old as I possibly have ever sounded in my life. But they, <laughs> they can, uh, they can go and do that. I still, I can't grasp Fortnite. I understand how the game works. I'm just really bad at it. So yeah, that's uh, again showing me that I am a very, very old. One thing I do want to in- indulge you here with Nick, just from my own point of view, is uh, Australian Ryan Brokoff made his NBA debut here. He was a guy who was hitting you know, in excess of 40% of his threes over in Europe, did that in this game. Yeah, did he look like he was, um, again, we're talking about a, a game where we're not at quite NBA level, but Brokoff looked like he fit in and could be a potential part of this rotation as that sharp shooting wing that the Mavericks uh, or every team really is looking for. Yeah, the rotation for the Mavericks was interesting last night. Um a lot of guys didn't play. Dirk Nowitzki didn't play. We mentioned that Harrison Barnes didn't play. Dwight Powell didn't play. JJ JJ Barea didn't play. And so the rotation was was very interesting. Uh, Carlisle just essentially did a whole line change I mean, in hockey, where you have just the entire lineup go out, another lineup come in. Um, and Ryan Brokoff was part of that second unit, and Dorian Finney-Smith was part of the first unit. And Isaac and I on Locked On Mavericks, we've been talking about this summer whether we think that Dorian Finney-Smith or Ryan Brokoff are going to get the bulk of those you know, second string wing or, or power forward, whatever you want to call it, minutes. Um, and we think Ryan Brokoff's eventually going to beat out Dorian Finney-Smith because his shooting is just is excellent. His first shot was in the corner. It was, uh, you know, great looking three. He was two for four last night. Uh, had four assists. Or, uh, yeah, he had a couple assists as well, a couple rebounds. And, um, yeah, he he looks pretty good. And um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the offense is going to need a guy like Ryan Brokoff. Um, to be able, you know, with with these passers like Dennis, like Luca, they're going to need somebody who's going to be to be able to finish like that. Dorian Finney-Smith is not that kind of guy. He's a good defender, which that lineup also needs. But you know, whatever Ryan Brokoff can bring on the defensive end is going to separate him at least. Um, so we're really excited about him, and, and Isaac and I both think that he's eventually going to crack the rotation. I agree with you. I think he's going to take that role over over Finney-Smith when Harrison Barnes comes back at some point this season, but it will remain to be seen. We're still waiting. We're waiting for, for Doncic to play against an NBA team now as a part of an NBA team. So still got that weight coming, but uh, it, no one could be disappointed or no one could be uh, pessimistic after seeing what he did in that first game. The hype is real in Dallas. Uh, Locked on Mavs is going to cover all your Doncic news, all of your Mavs news over the uh, preseason and heading into the regular season. And Nick and Isaac will have that for you. Nick, thanks for jumping on Locked on NBA. Thanks, Josh. Today's sponsor of the Locked on NBA podcast is Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, it's an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment the experiences that will last a lifetime. It can be a sporting event, a concert, a musical, a comedy show, whatever it is that you're into, and I'm sure it's sports and other things because you are listening to this podcast, Vivid Seats can help you get there and help you get there uh, at a more affordable way. 
The best way for you to do that though is by using our promo code and downloading this app. So go into Google Play, go into the App Store and download the Vivid Seats app. You have to use the promo code Locked On, which is all one word, and that will save you $20 off any order of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater, Vivid, Se- Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter that promo code locked on, all one word, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. It is your top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. I'm now joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Celtics podcast, and that is, of course, John Corrales. You hear him here on Locked On NBA every week as well. John, we were, uh, and I know Celtics fans in particular, were waiting to see these Celtics guys back. There's been so much, I guess, uh, conjecture about the health of Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. We know the situation from those guys from last season. They were both back. They were both starting the first preseason game. So let's start with, uh, with Hayward. How did he look in his first game back since October? after suffering that gruesome leg injury um he, he didn't look horrible uh he was a little bit um a little bit slow I, I felt like he just was typical of trying to get kind of reacclimated uh he didn't attack very much uh, he made some some plays that kind of displayed his basketball IQ some nice passes making the right play uh shooting uh in in the right situations he didn't shoot much, uh, seven shots. He only hit one of five from three, but, uh, I think it was a good first step. Like, like I said, it's not like he was trying to dunk on people. He wasn't, he, I think he was just kind of slowly getting his, his feet back under him and and trying to get back into that game speed, which is just different than anything. You can't replicate game speed, even preseason game speed. So I think this was a good first step for him to kind of get back, get back in the water, so to speak. So overall, you know, the, the return of him, it doesn't, does it bring up any concerns or any worries where you go, oh, maybe he's not quite the same guy? Or is it just like, okay, this is just Russ. This is you know, nine or you know, 11 months from not playing competitive basketball and, and things are on the right track here with Haywood. I mean, he, he played 22 minutes. And so I'm not going to make any determinations after 22 minutes of, of how he looked. He, if this is how he looks in the middle of the season, then, then we'll have a problem. But I, I think given that it's his first game back, uh, almost a year after a gruesome injury that this is exactly what you would expect. Uh, maybe we came into Celtics fans came into that game a little giddy, a little too excited. Maybe we thought it would be more than it was, but uh, I think that it, it's going to be a slow progression for him to kind of get back into that NBA game speed. Now they, they play again. So we'll see what happens in game two and if there's any sort of progression, if he if he's a little bit more aggressive, uh, if he takes uh, maybe a couple more chances than the last game. But after 22 minutes, I'm not ready to kind of label anything that he did. 
The other guy who made his return, not from as long of a layoff, is uh, Kyrie Irving, who missed the the end of last season and the playoffs with that uh, knee injury, knee surgery. He, uh, we've heard all these reports that that he is fine. It was just a, a surgery to correct something from a previous surgery, and there's no issue moving forward. Some people are still skeptical, or were still skeptical about that. But Irving came back, and uh, I thought he looked pretty strong in that first preseason outing, and it, it does you know, lend credence to him saying that, look, my knee's fine. Like this was just a a surgery to correct a, a prior surgical mistake not an ongoing knee problem. That's exactly it. And you're exactly right that it was. That's somebody that after 22 minutes, I can absolutely feel comfortable confirming he's the same Kyrie Irving. He he was aggressive. He was showing off some dribble moves, uh, pull up threes in transition, driving. And it was a typical Kyrie type of performance that you would expect in a preseason game. Uh, he wasn't trying to take over anything. He was trying to run the plays, but he was in no way limited at all. And I think it is important to reiterate that the knee issues that he had last, last season were not new injuries. They were a result of the medical devices that were in his knee from the fractured patella, and they caused irritation, and there was an infection at the site of the screws, and all of that stuff had to come out. So... I've never been concerned about Kyrie's knee. It's never been like, oh, he, he strained something or he tore something or it was anything new. It was all related to a prior injury. There was never anything that was that was a fresh injury. So anybody that says, oh, he's got knee problems, I don't know. It's disingenuous or lazy. You're not paying attention to what's happening. He And, and he came out in, in game one of the preseason and he looks totally fine. In terms of how, you know, this is, the, 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 I guess, the cons- not even a concern, but I guess a question mark over Boston, is how all these players fit together. We saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown take on an, an outsized role last season, and now they have to reaccommodate the, the introduction of two All-Stars into this mix. Now, again, we're talking about 20 minutes of action, very, very limited, but Tatum and Brown, they started alongside uh, Hayward, alongside Irving, and alongside Al Horford, the best five players, all starting the game together. Tatum and Brown were both inefficient in this game, but in terms of just how they fit together, was there was there much in terms of you guys maybe not being quite so sure where their spots were or what they were supposed to do in this you know, high powered lineup? Uh, I saw I saw nothing that gives me a lot of concern about these lineups. Uh, I, I think again, early in the in one preseason game, it's hard to kind of figure things out be shots and on the on the negative side there was a lot of individual play where guys were going to just get whatever the first shot was so i don't think that's what brad stevens wants in fact today before the game on sunday before the game he said i thought our offense was bad so there is a concern with the celtics uh early on so far going to um, two individually. But on the positive side of that, they showed that their starting lineup with Al Horford, although Al, Al Horford's probably going to miss a couple of games with a slightly sprained wrist. But when Al Horford's out there, any one of those guys in the starting lineup, Kyrie, Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Hay- uh, Horford, can grab a rebound and go. And that's one thing I noticed in the first preseason game is they all – grabbed a rebound and and just took off 
and weren't looking for outlet passes necessarily. They just turned, dribbled, and then once they were dribbling and in transition, then they tried to see, okay, who's up ahead of me? And then they tried to push the ball. And so that, I think, is a very good thing for the Celtics. That's going to be how they do integrate integrate. Sorry, uh, a lot of these guys. They took 104 shots in an NBA game, which is a lot. And that's going to be how they have to kind of approach these games to make sure everybody gets their chance and everybody gets an adequate amount of shots so everybody stays happy. But that transition, if that defense can get right and get back to what it was last year, and if they can grab and go, they will be uh, they'll be fine because they can really put up an extra 10 to 15 shots that they weren't taking last season. It is going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out, whether Haywood gets back to full strength, how Tatum can take a step forward, what Brown can do. There's so many questions with this Celtics team, but so many possibilities, so much excitement. And John and the boys over at Locked On Celtics will have that covered for you all throughout the preseason, all throughout the regular season. John, thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA to discuss. Uh, I guess something was uh, somewhat of a relief to see these guys get through unscathed. Oh, very nice to see them all walk off the floor in one piece. Thanks, Josh. Locked On NBA never went away, and it's still here for you every day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, you get the local experts on the bigger stories, like today's show. And then stay with Locked On NBA all week long with daily 30-minute shows on everything going on in the NBA. Subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play the podcast Locked On NBA. Now let's go to Chicago to speak to one of the hosts of the Locked On Bulls podcast, and that is Jordan Malley. The Chicago Bulls, there was a lot of enthusiasm, some of it I think misplaced in Chicago about this team heading into the season, but that was, uh, I guess, soured somewhat with the news a few days ago that Lowry Markinen is set to miss the beginning of the season with a uh, with a right elbow sprain, a, a bit of a weird injury. We, we heard about him having this elbow issue uh, in camp, and it wasn't thought to be anything serious, and then, of course, Shams dropped the uh, bomb on us that he was going to be out for the next uh, in a couple of months with that elbow issue. Do you want to just talk us through what the what the injury actually is here to Markkanen's arm? Yeah, it seems like Fred Hoiberg explained it in a way that it's a high-grade sprain. So with that, they want to be very careful. The one good thing about this is that it's nothing vital. Like, it's not a knee injury. Like, uh, a knee injury to what we saw at Porzingis last year is devastating for a player that size. I, I wouldn't I've been telling Bulls fans this the entire weekend. I wouldn't put too much stress on it. Like if they want to take care of it now, as long as nothing's broken, nothing's torn, which they said nothing is, he's just going to try to rehab it through six to eight weeks. And it's it's a terrible blow for this Bulls team who is looking to come into camp fully healthy with everybody around year two of this rebuild. This is a little bit of a setback, but I don't think it's cause for any major concern. It's just it's unfortunate that he's going to end up missing probably about 25 percent of the season now coming in. It is annoying because we know how you know, strong he was as a rookie last season and people hoping for a big step forward. And there, there are numerous concerns, I guess, not with the long-term health here of Markkinen, but how it all fits together. Because, of course, what the Bulls are looking to do now in uh, Markkinen's absence is move Jabari Parker to power forward. They had him slotted as the starting small forward. And uh, at, at this stage for the first preseason game, they're going to be starting Justin Holiday at small forward. Uh, I think some of that may be to do with the fact that Denzel Valentine is also out with an ankle injury, but he's a, a beneficial there they want to keep Bobby Portis in that bench role but some of the concern I had with this Bulls team heading into this season was how was Markkinen going to get enough offensive touches 
with Parker, with Levine, with Chris Dunn, who had an outsized usage last season. How was marketing going to get those touches? And if he doesn't have the development time with Parker, with Levine, and Parker playing a different position to what he does later, it does seem to... I guess put a little bit of fear in me that, that perhaps the, uh, the the usage or, or the way this offense runs is going to be a little bit harder for him to fit back in when he does return to the court. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue now is what do you do? What do you do? Do you put Portis in the four? Do you start Portis at the four or keep bringing him off the bench? Do you slide Parker where you brought him in basically to trial him as a three? Do you move him to the four for immediate part of the season and then deal with him trying to adjust to play the three once marketing comes back? I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for Fred Hoiberg. I think their option, their best option, at least for right now, they don't have really much of a choice, is slide park or slide Parker to the four, even though you wanted to trial him at the three. Leave Bobby Portis, let him come off the bench because you saw in the limited amount of times he got to start last season, he looked overwhelmed. It wasn't the same type of energy. It wasn't the same type of flow that we were, we were norm normally seeing him throughout the season. So I think you leave Bobby Portis alone. Just let him continue to come off the bench slide Parker to his better, more preferred position at the four instead of the three. And then you have to deal with it when it comes like, obviously Parker is going to play the three and the four at times, especially now that, for Denzel Valentine's got knee soreness and he's going to be out a week or two too. So that might be something to monitor going into the season. Uh, but the young guys are going to have to step up. Definitely. Wendell Carter Jr. is going to get probably more looks than we initially thought at the beginning of the season. And Chandler Hutchison is going to have to be a core part of this group, especially if Denzel Valentine ends up missing any significant amount of time coming into the season. It is it is a frustrating thing for Bulls fans. I know that they're you know, the Bulls uh, online fans are definitely super hyped about what Markinen can bring and what he was able to do this off season. So this injury is clearly not an ideal thing uh, here. Now you talked about you know Portis move, you know, perhaps you know, moving into that starting line, which again Hoiberg has shot down. He is a guy that yeah, does yeah, struggle in that role and is more suited to that energy type uh, type bench role. Is this a positive for Jabari Parker though, or do you think it's a little bit confusing? Because Hoiberg was saying you know, Parker's been playing you know, pretty much much exclusively the three, and you know, some of the worrying comments are he had to learn the position, which again just makes no sense with some of the offseason moves there that they had to spend all this time at making him learn a new position, and now he's going to have to forget what that that was, move back to his old position, and then some of that work that all that work that they've done done through the preseason is uh, not necessarily gone to waste, but it's not going to get you know, tested in a, in a battle-type environment. Is that is that a concern there that that's going to screw everything up, even though that's the direction they seem to be going? I think this is ideally good for Jabari Parker, not necessarily good for the Chicago Bulls, though. You wanted to trial him at three. That was the point of the entire one-year signing, see if he could play alongside Levine and see if he can kind of stretch things out at the three and play alongside a market in two. I think this is a good scenario for Parker initially, like the people that are saying that he can't play defense, that he's going to be too slow, that we're not sure if that shot's going to come back, if he's going to score at the same high clip that he was once at with the Bucks. I think this is good for him, though. He's going to be able to not only get more shots up because Markinen won't be on the floor, he'll be able to spread things out a little bit more easily. He won't get absolutely destroyed on the defensive ends as easily as maybe he would initially at the three. So I think this is good for Parker. This is also good for Levine too, though. Like Levine's looking at this opportunity to him and Parker splitting the majority of the shots on the floor. But I, I would say as a Bulls fan, it's a little bit skeptical, especially if you were hoping that Parker was going to work out at the three and he could learn something initially, him and Mark and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine could get into a flow. But I think 
ultimately this is good for Parker in a sense that if he plays well at this position, moves back to the three struggles a little bit, uh, he can at least showcase that he can, maybe it is more advantageous for him to play at the four than the three, but it's, it's disappointing to say the least, because I was hoping for Parker to just be trialed at the three this year, but we'll see what Fred Hoiberg decides to do. If he feels like keeping the same, game plan going in whether or not you have market in for the initial part of the season keeping Parker at the three keeping Portis coming off the bench and kind of mixing and matching with that four role and we'll see who he ends up going with there but I think the more realistic option is Parker's going to slide to the four and I don't think that benefits anybody but really necessarily just Jabari Parker's value it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. It was always going to be a weird sort of experiment and things have changed quite a bit now with this mark and an injury puts a dampener on things, I guess, for the start of the bull season, but you've got to try and find positives in, in what we what we do have available and that's going to be how this works for Jabari and where he fits in with this team moving forward. And of course, uh, Jordan and Matt will have all that information for you over on Locked on Bulls. Jordan, thanks for jumping on Locked on NBA and discussing, uh, I guess, a, a sobering uh, bit of information about Larry Markkinen. Yay, thanks for having me. That does it for another episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and go and follow the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net as well. Check out our college shows, our NFL shows, our baseball shows, and of course the rest of the NBA network as well. My name is Josh Lloyd, so make sure you are checking out my show, Locked On Fantasy Basketball as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.